2: Welcome to a very special edition of In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to destiny and its community. On today's show, I have a whole cavalcade of guests, starting off with the main man himself, Jarrett Redding. Say hi. What's going on? And on my right, I have a couple new guests. Braden, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Kristen?
3: Hi, everybody.
2: So I brought these people together so that we can discuss the Crucible. Um, As we all know, Rise of Iron is coming very, very soon. And one thing I definitely wanted to touch on was strictly Crucible. Throughout the different shows that we've had over the the past few months, we've touched on both PvE and PvP, but I don't feel that we've really touched on Crucible as effectively as we should have. And I wanted to get some who I feel are very very important people in the community who have a lot of experience in a lot of the pvp activities in Destiny. Jared comes from a background of arena shooters and has a lot of great insight on what makes a shooter a shooter and what he believes should be added to a shooter. Uh, Kristen over here plays Trials of Osiris like crazy. In fact, I had to beg her to appear on the show today because she really wanted to play Trials of Att- Osiris. This is prime Osiris time.
3: This is prime sweaty time, yes.
2: This is prime sweaty time. The sweat is literally dripping out of her palms. And, of course, Brayden over here, Mr. Rezo himself, loves playing Trials. He's always in tri- uh, in Crucible. He's always getting involved in doubles and singles. And he's just always trying to get to the next level in his game and in his skill. So I wanted to invite these people today really delve deep into what we feel about the Crucible, what we expect in the future, and what we're anticipating. Uh, Before we do that, I want to take a little bit of time to discuss something that's really near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've been talking about this for quite some time, but it's now live. This coming September will be my seventh anniversary of being a cancer survivor. I'll (laughs) I'll be participating in the Rise of Hope Twitch streams on September 20th at the Rise of Iron launch. And my charity that I'm collecting funds for is the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I know that without donations to great groups like LLS, I wouldn't be here today. To help out with this great cause, please visit www.gofundme.com slash the number 2QM39G6K for donations. And come watch me explore the Plaguelands on September 20th at www. Twitch.tv slash go to NRG. Please, please, please do not forget to check out www.lls.org to learn about blood cancers that involve the very young to the very old among us and learn about this great charity. So, without further ado, let's jump right into it. Crucible, the balance, everything that, that we've wanted to talk about, everything that we've wanted to really cram into the past few episodes, we're going to be discussing here. First off, let's talk about the background, where we already know now that there are three teams at Bungie. It used to be one giant collective, now it's split up into three teams. You have the team working on Destiny 2, you have the team, the live team working on the current content, and you have a team completely dedicated to the engine of Destiny. In the Edge article that was published a couple weeks ago, almost two weeks ago to this day, they were talking about how they pretty much confirmed everything that was in the Kotaku article about it taking eight to nine hours to render a small change in the environment. And how is this important to Crucible? Well, we all know that if there's any changes that need to happen, not so much nerfs to the actual guns themselves, but there's sometimes tweaks that need to happen to certain levels and certain playing fields to make it a more balanced experience. Jared, I know that you have a lot of experience and a lot of opinions on this. Knowing that there's a new team that has improved the engine to Destiny and that they basically built the game, Rise of Iron, in about six months, six to seven months, a large expansion. What does this say to you about the engine for Destiny?
0: Uh, I mean, a really... It really depends on now. It depends on uh, quality assurance and how much they deal with their quality assurance team. Because before, I, like the problem that they would have is you know, like you said, if it takes eight to nine hours to move a rock two inches to the right, they are going to if somebody brings up a problem, right? They're going to talk about it. They're going to talk about it a second time, a third time, a fourth time, a fifth time before they even decide to move that rock because time is money, you know? And now, let's say it doesn't take two hours. Oh, sorry, it doesn't take eight hours to render. It takes an hour to render. Well, now they can render it, see how it goes, send it to their quality assurance. If quality assurance spits it back like, no, this isn't working, maybe try this. Then they could do that quickly as well as opposed to taking, you know, a full day's worth of work to to make a single change so i think um i mean any improvements to the engine or to the tool set is good anything that makes them work that that makes it faster for them to work is is a good thing i think that could really help out they could be more responsive when it comes to making changes to maps to help them balance them out
2: right because i believe right now the biggest thing that is affecting destiny in the pvp this is just personal opinion but one of the things that Is affecting destiny the pvp is the actual maps themselves sometimes they don't lend themselves well to the gameplay that is needed to offer a truly balanced experience um one of snipers favorite any sniper's favorite map is of course pantheon which lo and behold is this week's trials of osiris map yep Yep. and while you do have quote unquote three different lanes whoever who goes to the lower lane so you really use that um area in the main fight like the only time you're really down there is if you're going for heavy ammo it's very rare that you'll have an encounter down there now this is just me that's just me spewing off my observations but Braden, Kristen, do either you two go down in that area for encounters um
4: sometimes i'll come up from there uh, I won't necessarily go down there looking for people, but if I'm trying to get to be at a different angle, mm-hmm. uh, it, yeah. sometimes it helps. Sometimes it helps going down there.
3: It depends for me. It, really, when, I, when I'm playing trials, when I'm flying in and looking at loadouts is when I decide if I'm going to run a shotgun, am I going to run a sniper? If I'm running a sniper, I I will go down there and I'll peek real quick and, and then I'll I'll bounce away and go the other way. But usually we end up on on uh, B cap in the middle,
2: right? Yeah. So the the main reason I brought that up is maybe what needs to happen, and I've mentioned this in a in a Facebook post, is that they need to change that map a little bit, offer different lanes to uh, to encourage other types of gameplay, because what ends up happening a lot, especially when you're doing Iron Banner, if you're a heavy sniper. You're running through all six of your bullets real quick within the first five seconds of the match because they're just running from the waterfall lane. Pow! You're dead. Pow! You're dead. Pow! You're dead. Yeah. Okay. I'm waiting for special ammo, and while that's cool for your points and for your overall score, I don't feel that that lends itself rather well to the game as a whole because then you be- it becomes predictable. You know, it, it, it people just get fo- focused and funneled into choke points and then there's issues and when you're going through the cube side the b side it's a very similar thing you're poking your head out yes you can hug the wall and go towards b but a lot of people just end up stopping right there on the left side of of that choke point and they aim right down and you just see non-stop double kills where they you know they're just killing each other from sniper fire and i believe that that hurts that map it hurts what engagements you have, what opportunities you have. There's no real strategies, just going to those two spots. What do you guys think?
4: Uh, go ahead, Kristen. I, I was gonna
3: <laughs> I, I, on that particular map. I really despise those uh, snipers who just stand there and hard scope down the lane repetitively. I, I I always say to myself, why play the game if you're just gonna stand there and stare down a scope? Why?
4: Yeah, um, sometimes I'll sit there for like a second or two.
3: Yeah, I mean... I,
4: I move on quickly. I get bored. I like to be in the action.
3: Exactly. Yeah. What so is your I.
4: style, Braden?
2: Are you more of a sniper uh, or a shotgunner? I use my sniper as a shotgun. <laughs> oh my god.
3: <laughs> You're one of them. the one game
2: yeah, where you can do yeah. that easily. <laughs> now, going into something else kind of related to that do you believe that that's a detriment to the game that you can use it so easily as a shotgun or do you believe that that's a good thing
4: uh, i th- personally think it's good i know a lot of people don't but i mean if you have the skill to do it i think you should be able to i that's agree Just my opinion
3: I don't think uh, some people say sniping is easy or sniping is cheap, and I say the same thing, you know, about shotgunning. Shotgunning is easy, and but it takes skill to do both. It's not it's not easy to just pull out your sniper and pop somebody in the head from like you know a foot away, quick scoping or no scoping or even long range scoping. It's not easy, and Mm -hmm. neither is shotgunning. I think that takes some skill, even though those people are got to be. Those no backup plan Titans with shotguns are like (laughs) my nemesis. They, when I see them, I like, I just put the controller down. I walk away because it seems like when I'm playing against a team with those no backup plan Titans, they're always the ones killing me. It's super annoying, but it takes skill. I've tried to build a no backup plan Titan and I just can't, I can't function with a bubble Titan in the crucible. It's just not my thing. So yeah. I give props to those people who can run that build and and succeed with that build. I by no means think that sniping and shotgunning are cheap or whatever, but I don't like the people who stand there in hard scope. Or the me people who sit there with a shotgun and camp.
4: Like and get out there group, and play the
3: game. Sorry. Me and
4: my, me and my group call those uh, no primary plans. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, in, it's even worse when they have the uni and the shotgun
4: yeah oh
2: my God. I in case even. people don't know what in case people don't know what they're talking about, just to we're putting it on a basic level, the no backup plans have a perk where if you kill somebody with the melee, you get an extended shield, an overshield on top of that, in year two, they changed it so that not only do you get that shield from a melee, but you also get that shield from a shotgun kill. And it lasts a long time. It it's does. It's almost Radiance yeah. level
1: It of seems shield. like they it's can ridiculous. get from
3: their spawn on the map to the other spawn on the map with the same shield. <laughs> Plus that yeah. Titan's Gate doesn't help.
4: Right. Plus they have that part where uh, the shield can recharge. Right.
2: Yeah, the, it, it, it's a little ridiculous at times. Yeah. And I'm like, Bungie, why you do this? Why you do this? <laughs> yep. Now, I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. With regards to snipers, do you believe that that aim is the fact that each, well, not only snipers, let's go in, let's go in more in, in depth. Do you believe that the fact that aim assist is a quote unquote perk is a fair thing? Or do you believe that that's kind of weird?
3: I don't know. It's never helped me out.
2: Yeah, and um, and and just so that everybody knows, when we're not when we're talking about aim assist, this has absolutely nothing to do with the curvature of the bullet. Curvature of the bullet, so that it hits your head, is lag. Aim assist is the stickiness of the reticle on somebody as they're passing by. So as you're passing by with the reticle aiming down sights, that reticle slows down when it gets to a specific target. There's a significant slowdown um, that you have when that passes over to the point where you can just be like, okay, it's slowed down, pow, fire. And with a sniper rifle, that's of course, if you're aiming head level and it slows down, you're, you're gonna get that headshot more likely than not.
3: Honestly, for me, I feel like it's done more harm than good. I mean, if you got those two guys standing side by side and the aim assist pulls your scope, the Wrong way, or the way you didn't anticipate it to go, you just missed your shot. Or if somebody right. runs right in front of your lined up shot, there it goes. And you know, I personally, I, I don't know, I it doesn't help me any, <laughs> so I don't really notice.
4: Uh, I use it, um, I used to have a sniper with unflinching on it, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, they It it has the smallest difference. It's not a huge one, in my opinion. Um, I do think it's weird that it's a perk though, where it increases your aim assist. Um, I don't know. Right. I mean, for me,
2: I'm I'm I might be a little bit biased, but I've always respected snipers who actually snipe well. (laughs) Um, Yeah. if, If I'm just if I'm getting if they turn around. Flip, flip it on, pow, I'm dead i can I can respect that,
3: oh yeah, um, absolutely totally agree my
2: my game has always been the mid range game because I'm a fusion rifle guy
3: Ugh, I've always yeah. been a
2: fusion rifle <laughs> guy Ugh. that's always been my game, I and can't I know people out how to
3: use those guns
2: I've been He's, getting into them more
4: and more lately
2: to me, it's hilarious watching the shotgunner who's especially the the, the no primary plans running <laughs> towards you. And they're just charging to you, and you're like, I'm just going to keep backing up. Zzz, whoop, you're dead. I'm just watching them go into the void. And it's the funniest thing, that, and I just lose it every single time because I know exactly what they're trying to do with that um, universal remote. I was like, you need to go back to, uh, to a different gun because that's not working for you right now.
4: But with I'm regards about- to snipers... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say one of my... Uh- favorite um loadouts just for fun is to run uh, a striker titan with the juggernaut shield and then a universal remote and a fusion rifle
3: oh
2: oh my
4: god yeah that's uh, awful it it takes a while to get used to but it's a lot of fun
2: that's a really interesting build because you have the mid and short range but you have no long range game oh yeah
4: there's none at all. I don't take it into trials or anything, but like if I'm playing Rumble or uh like um control on like Sector 618, I think it is. That's a oh, really that map. good map for that loadout. Oh.
2: Xbox people, you are missing absolutely nothing with that map. <laughs> Let know, me tell you.
3: I don't complain at all about uh PS4 exclusives. I um I have a PS4 and I I played on Destiny, like what, Brayden, like three or four what? times.
4: No, it was like once. You Dude, were on for like I have like, like a level like thirty nine warlock.
3: <laughs> there was the one strike on there with with the, this is way off topic with the harpy and you take the balls and you go around the
2: thing. Oh yeah, like mm-hmm, repetitively.
3: Yeah. That is no fun.
2: Oh, I love that strike. I, I do I not like care it.
3: for that. I don't care at all. <laughs> I don't care. No, mm-mm. I've seen some of the PlayStation maps and. I just, I don't know. I've never complained about PlayStation exclusives.
2: In year one, the PlayStation exclusive maps, not even talking about weapons, were a little bit better. Um, I believe timekeeper is a really, really cool and really fun map.
3: I don't um, like that map. It's, it's,
2: it's a little small, but there's a lot of options that you have. There's a lot of games.
3: Especially when play. it's the
2: Trials map. Oh my God! That was one
3: map that I had a very, very, very rough time getting flawless on.
2: It's it's a tough map.
3: It was pretty bad.
2: Um. So with regards to aim assist, I, I I've always found it a weird perk that that it that aim is. You know, I was like, oh, I can add more Amosus. I, can make I don't it more think sticky. it should
4: be that way. Uh, I don't know. Do I you use believe it? But I don't think it should be like that.
2: Do you believe that all snipers should have the same aim assist? No.
4: And why is that? I mean, if you if you take away a gun's like uniqueness, like it just gives more variety, in my opinion. Um, there's strengths and weaknesses to every single sniper, every gun. Uh, just how you want to play, really. I mean, like Praetor's Revenge back in the day, that barely had any aim assist, but people loved using that in PvP.
2: Mm-hmm. All oh, those two tap body shot kills. Oh my goodness! Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I definitely believe that. Um, one of the, I'm I, I'm okay with aim assist when, at to up to a certain extent, but it feels like every single gun or sniper in the game. There's just not enough variety, and that's been the biggest problem with year two. Hopefully, that gets remedied in year three, or whatever they want to call it. I'm just going to go with year three. Um, in year three, where there's more variety with the guns, so that you don't run into the situation where the only fast-firing auto rifle is the doctrine of passing. Yeah, that, That's always been the biggest irk that I had in year two was guns, for example... um, Grasp of Malak, the only yes. fastest firing uh, pulse rifle in the game in year two was the Grasp of Malak, and in order to get it, you had to grind that strikeout, which was absolutely horrendous. Like, Why would you make it so hard to get something and not offer something else to that has comparable stats? And yes, you could argue, it was like, oh, well, you could use Hawksaw, Hawksaw is good, are you kidding me? Like Grasmalok has a faster time to kill, and it, yeah. there's there's just a certain advantage that you cannot, you, you just can't do that. You have to offer variety to all sorts of players, and that there just wasn't enough of that in year two. With regards to sniper rifles, you had, for example, uh, the the Iron Banner sniper rifle, the Trials Trials of Osiris. They're very comparable. Um, but it was you had to go into, for example, those two activities in order to get it. There wasn't a comparable one from, say, a Vanguard Strike. In fact, I don't think there was a sniper rifle that you can get from a Vanguard Strike. And that yeah, led to that. a little bit of an imbalance in the haves and have-nots with regards to the weapons. I'm okay with certain weapons have having exclusive perks or exclusive. combinations of perks but at a certain point you got to offer alternatives that people can use up until they get to that level that that'll provide a similar if not better experience later down the line
3: yeah i agree Uh,
2: and and that's always been my irk with the with the game especially in year two and i just believe that things like that the 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 weird small perks and 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 items that that have occurred in year two have caused the crucible to have a little bit of an issue jared i haven't really heard from you what
0: do you think about the aim assist you guys you're you're sitting here talking about aim assist and i'm i'm kind of upset that Bungie called that feature aim assist because aim assist is actually something else i wish i kind of would have called it tracking because that's what your gun does it tracks your opponent I mean, tracking is, is with aim. That's like a, an extreme version of aim assist. Like it's a console game, so it had all guns have aim assist. Like all, whether it's tracking or whether it's the server and your and your client determining whether you got that hit or not, even though you didn't. That's like, you know, aim assist. Um, so it's just it's just the verbiage that gets me <laughs> a little bit to split hairs, <laughs> but. um In terms of that feature specifically, what you're talking about, which I'll just call aim assist because that's what's called in the game. Um, I don't think snipers should have it at all, to be honest with you. Um, It's a little different if you have like a a scout rifle or assault rifle where you're going to be moving around a lot, you know, but, you know, I, I think sniping should be a skill. Where, you know, if you're going to shoot somebody in the head, it better be well-deserved. You shouldn't be able to get a headshot because it was tracking the person for you. Yes, I understand that you have to have, you know, the crosshair at that level, but that's not that difficult to do. I mean, they definitely made sniping easier going from year one to year two. Because I, I never used to snipe in one. And... You know, I tried, um well, actually, well, I can't remember the name of the name. what's the name of the sniper rifle they give you, like the first one they give you in uh, Year two. In year two. Actually, thousand yard stare. Yeah, like the thousand yard stare. Yeah. I was fucking around with it because I was like, well, I'm not gonna use this in PvP and I was using it, you know, in PvE, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty this this feels pretty good. Let me take it into the crucible, and now I'm wrecking face with sniper rifles in the crucible. But I'm not really a big fan of snipers and crucible, I like to get into somebody's face. I'm more of a shotgun person to be honest with you. So. Olay. Yeah, Olay, The Matador, man. I was using that the other day.
4: <laughs> oh, I can it. we can we talk about that shotgun for a second that's coming? The new oh, Dead that one.
2: Uh, which one, the auto rifle or the
4: shotgun? The shotgun.
2: Okay.
4: Uh apparently it's like Matador style, like same range impact and everything.
2: No, um, yeah, you know what? Let's talk about that class of shotgun.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm Matador. Okay. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Matador seems to be like the strongest still, like to this day. I, I don't know if that's just me, but Party Crasher, it just doesn't have enough impact. Oh no! I don't it, it get, definitely I don't get the killed matador. by
3: matadors. I get killed by party crashers and conspiracy theories or universals. I get
4: hit from ridiculous range with matador
2: <laughs> and you regular
4: want, crucible.
3: You want me to know why? Must be a PlayStation or, thing.
2: You You want me to tell you why? I know that matador is really good. This guy over here, Jarrett, a couple of days ago, was saying, "Oh, it's nice to know matador still destroys face." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all out of nowhere. I
0: was like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is true i'll be i'll say it, it is a little inconsistent because i'll pull it out and i'll shoot somebody from a distance that i've killed somebody before and i'm like okay why are they no dead you know <laughs> <laughs> but um it does sometimes like sometimes like i'm actually surprised that i actually killed the person at that range i'm just like mm, that is not fair as i walk over that corpse well <laughs> you that know? happens to me
3: <laughs> with my party crasher my party crasher is very inconsistent too
0: yeah, I mean, I, I, that's the one thing I do wish, in general, they would do with the shotguns. I just, I kind of want some consistency there. Like, if yeah. it's not going to be a, a a long range gun, that's fine. I need to know that so I know when to use it and when not to. I don't want to have it work three times in a row at a certain range, and then the fourth time I go to use it, now it's like, what are you trying? It's acting like it doesn't know what I'm trying to do here. That that's 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 frustrating.
3: <laughs> it is
4: frustrating. Yeah, I agree. I was talking to my friend last night about that, actually. I said it seems like the closer you get now, the less likely are you are to have your shot registered. Yeah. yeah. I,
3: I'll tell you what, with a shotgun, I have a really hard time killing people with my shotgun as of lately. It's almost like I leave them with a very tiny hair of health. Yeah. yeah. And they're just gone. And I don't get it. And Usually it is from the same range as I would normally kill somebody from, but it's like, I don't know, I hit them in the toe or something. But I didn't hit them in the toe.
0: Yeah, registration, I think, has been an issue for a while, and I'm not sure if Mm -hmm. there's a lot of talk about it, because it seems like Bungie never really addressed it. Like, for example, I... uh, I remember one time specifically what happened more than once, but I slid mm-hmm. and I shot somebody in the shin and they just like died, uh. <laughs> you know, like I <laughs> shot him in the head. Uh, so yeah, registration is, is definitely an issue. I wish I had more information on how they calculate damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the same frustration
3: yeah. with registration with hand cannons. As a matter of fact, oh, yeah. last yeah. night I got really aggravated. I have this God roll. Um, Oh, gosh, and no, I can't even think of a god roll. I.S.
2: Lena.
3: No, um,
2: <laughs> no. Lord High Fixer? Yes,
3: thank you. Lord High Fixer. I have a god Rule Lord High Fixer, and I swear to you, I most of the, – half the magazine just doesn't register, and I know their headshots, and they just don't register. Like, it takes no health away. It's the most frustrating thing, and that's why I don't use hand cannons very often anymore.
2: Yeah, it, it seems yeah. like – at least this has just been me recently. Phantom Bungie's bullets. Bungie's really really afraid of hand cannons because they nerfed them to the ground in 2.0 to the point where nobody used it. In fact, I remember the the first week where we were using where we were playing in 2.0 and somebody shot me with Thorn and I just kept laughing at them as they were like packing me with <laughs> it's like you need to put that away, pow. Um, but they're really afraid of what hand cannons can be. And I believe that they properly addressed them with that drastic steep drop off in tam in terms of damage. But if I'm putting my reticle on somebody and I shoot, I don't care if it's like twenty five damage. At least count the impact. Yeah, yeah. That's always been the the irk that I have is like you have the damage drop off. I'm I'm saying this in in in, in all sincerity. I believe hand cannons in terms of damage on and how they register, at least most hand cannons, in terms of how they register damage are at the ideal spot for balance for all guns. It's just the problem is half of the bullets won't even hit. Right. And yeah. when you have a gun such as, um, as, as you mentioned, your Lord High Fixer or your Hawk Moon, or soon to be thorn again, <laughs> literally missing the shot, and I'm like, I know I aimed at least at their neck, at least give me a like a body shot, but not even that. I have video of of where I, I I'm up close to somebody shooting bullets. I am I'm literally in shotgun range, and it's missing where there's no damage. And it, I looked on their screen; they're green bar every they they're not teleporting all over the place. They're not doing their Goku impression and doing instant transmission. <laughs> like, they're rid- they're literally in front of me. Everything's fine. And the bullets just pass through them. And all of a sudden, all I hear is... Zzzz. I'm like, ah, oh, this is not going to end well.
3: I have a lot of clips so, like that, too.
2: <laughs> it's, it's just like, at least give me a body shot hit. I, 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 I just don't understand why there's so many phantom bullets. And... I'm almost positive that they're afraid of their exotics, like Last Word and Thorn becoming these absolute monsters, again, because they don't want to put them in, in, in that range of, of, you know, really quick kills that other hand cannons can't match. But you're now at the point where the only hand cannon that you can reliably take into something like Trials of Osiris Is the last word you can't bring Thorn anymore? In fact, Last Word is one of the top guns in the game in terms of PvP, and it's a shame because there's a lot of really good hand cannons that do a lot of good stuff or have the potential to do a lot of good stuff, and it just seems like Bungie's missing the boat in terms of balance. Now, we're saying all of this without knowing if hey, there might be a balance patch coming out soon. Now, when we were looking at the video recently of the new Dead Orbit auto rifle, it looks like the archetype for the Hakans hatchet, which does, I want to say 21, 22 to the head currently, but that thing was mowing people down really, really quickly and doing a lot of damage really, really fast, which makes me believe that there might be a buff to that archetype coming soon, which may introduce other buffs and changes to other guns. But I really hope that they take into account what they did with the hand cannons in terms of that steep drop-off and introduce it to the different uh, archetypes for all guns. For example, like, why would I bring in a slower-firing, higher-impact pulse rifle when it just isn't viable? Like, I I, kind of miss the two-tap days of Messenger because at least that gun was useful. But like now Messenger, if I bring that out, I'm running into a distinct disadvantage every single time because from the same distance, a faster firing pulse rifle, which is, which says it has, in fact, I'm pulling it out right now, my Suros PDX-45, it says it has a range of 15, but I'm doing the consistent headshot damage at a range which I should be operating, say, a Mita multi-tool. It's like, what's the point of bringing in a higher impact if it's if if at that same range, I'm getting obliterated by a Suros PDX-45? I, I just feel like they really need to work on that range, and they still haven't gotten to where it needs to be. Yeah. So now I'm going to yeah. touch on a very touchy subject Uh-oh. to okay. a lot of people. Supers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are your guys' opinions on Supers.
3: Oh. Um
4: <laughs> I think I think that first of all Blade dancer is really balanced right now. That's my opinion. Um I think that's honestly one of the most balanced supers. Um Uh besides that, um
3: I really can't Sunbreaker think of anyone is pretty super. Good. Uh...
4: Sunbreaker is decent now. Um uh... it was pretty bad there for a while. <laughs> yeah
2: it was It was pretty potent, and then it went Pfft. yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling you have a whole lot of stuff you want to say about <laughs> supers, Jared I feel it, I feel
0: it. Well, I mean, the thing about supers, or I, I guess um I guess it breaks into destiny multiplayer in general, is what's what's the goal here? If if you want to talk about just having fun and having a good time, which we do when we play Crucible, I mean we've played hours of Crucible, and even for losing, we're still talking and having a good time. Uh if you talk about just having fun, I mean I think supers are fine. Sometimes they were a bit too much. Uh, you know, like Hammer Brothers, that was that was a bit too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the um, original Hammer Brothers. Yeah, the original Hammer the Brothers. <laughs> yeah. But um you know, if you want to talk competition, whether or not the Crucible is supposed to be competitive, if you take it competitive, then I don't think supers really have a place in competition um, because the whole purpose of supers, or you know, if you want to take it back to even like Call of Duty, like you know, perks and uh, kill streaks and things like that, is to help. I don't, I don't want to say level the playing field because it actually doesn't level the playing field, but what it does is that it allows players. Who aren't necessarily good—I shouldn't say necessarily good at aiming or something like that—but who may be less <laughs> skilled at aiming and target acquisition, or maybe some strategy. You know, after they get beat up for a little bit, they're going to have their super. You know, so now they can go get a couple, go get a couple extra kills. It's supposed to help players like that. And on the and on the flip side of that, the players that are are good that are powerful, it just makes them more powerful. So it kind of throws um. Uh, that element of balance and competition out of the window. That's why I don't think supers have a place in in, in competition. But as of right now, I mean, the most competitive you're going to get in Destiny is is Trials of Osiris. Um, and mo- most of the most of the um, multiplayer or the PvP in Destiny is not is non-competitive, if you ask me, because of the way you know supers work.
2: That being said, pretty soon we're going to get private matches and destiny has already thrown its hat into mlg more like activision told them put something with for mlg or we're gonna you know throw throw you another ceo down the river um (laughs) so now that it is an mlg active member how would you balance out supers
0: okay so i mean mlg is obviously considered esports Right. When you talk to players about eSports, or gamers about eSports, I think the first thing that comes to mind is competition. However, when you actually look at eSports, it's actually not about competition well, I shouldn't say it's not about competition at all. It's, it's definitely about competition. But competition is definitely not first, might be secondary, might be third, on the list of important things, because the number one priority when it comes to eSports is viewership. Uh you have game developers who have changed their games, games that you know had solid foundations to uh to fit esports so that they get more viewerships. That's how League of Legends got as big as it did. That's why StarCraft uh changed uh quite a bit when it went to Legacy of the Void. Uh some major changes were made to StarCraft so that it was more viewable. Most recently, Overwatch, right, when competitive Overwatch came out. Uh, they made they they set up the competitive mode a very specific way because not because they thought it was the most competitive, but because one they did think it was competitive, but at the same time they thought it was also entertaining to watch. And if you want to talk competition, I don't necessarily think that's that should be considered if it's entertaining to watch or not. Um, now, if you are going to talk comp- I, I, Destiny as a competition, there's lots of things that. Would need to change but in my opinion I'm I think supers need to go like there needs to be an option to turn supers off because it's not fair that you know if you can run in fast enough to a room and you know press two buttons that you do a titan smash and you kill three four people there's really not much countering you can do to that you know the best way to counter, you know, like a Titan Smash, is to do one yourself. <laughs> 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 that, 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 that's Very the true. thing. Very it's, true. Very Whoever touches the ground first wins. That's basically how that <laughs> <laughs> how that works. So I think if you if you actually want to talk competition with the uh, competition that supers need to go. I mean, the second thing you want to talk about is how the weapons work in Destiny, and I'm not sure if you want to get into that right now. Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, okay. So, I guess it's not just, it's, it's the weapons, but it was the way Destiny was built uh, at its core, right? So when they when they decided to make Destiny, obviously one of the big things is become legend. You want to make players legendary, that essentially equals. Making players feel good about themselves, making players feel powerful. So you give them powerful moves, which are the supers, and then you give them these ridiculous weapons, you know, that are extremely powerful. In PVE, there's lots of weapons that make sense. That like you know when you, you know you're shooting Skolas with a Gallahorn, that may, you kill him. That makes you feel powerful, right? You know you should be wielding these massively powerful weapons because you're a guardian and you're super powerful. But when you talk about competitive, right, or competition, you, when you talk about the Galahorn, you are talking about a rocket launcher that shoots a rocket that detonates. Then when that rocket detonates, it turns into smaller mines that then track the opponent and kill them. <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit much. And in non-competitive Destiny, it's fine. It's cheesy. But it's fine. But in competitive Destiny, it's just not. That's just one example. I mean, look at the Thorn, man. The Thorn should have never existed if Destiny uh, was built to be competitive. At, at now, least in PvP. You know.
2: N- now, given that there's artifacts that are going to be in the game, that can, for example, the damage over time effect is going to be nullified. For example, with Thorn, or with the firebolt grenades from a warlock. There's other artifacts that you can equip that'll give you never ending running and agility or yeah, never ending running, uh, nonstop third eye. You can reflect supers with swords.
0: The only way that becomes, um, fair and competitive, right. Is if everybody has access to every artifact and every weapon, and then they can choose their loadout based on how they want to, you know, how they would like to play. So you
2: want, so in your opinion, to make a an actual competitive Destiny, you need to be able to turn off supers and have it so that you can use any weapon when you're playing a that Crucible match for competitive mode?
0: Yeah, if if we're talking about weapons with very specific perks, like you know which perks this weapon is going to give you, and the same thing with the artifacts, right? It's either it all has to be available to everyone, or nothing is available. Because the, the whole thing about competition is, a, is, a, it needs to be a level playing field. So if everything is available to everyone, then yeah, okay, then that, that's fair. That's that's kind of like um, I will use Overwatch as an example again. You know, perfect, with Overwatch, obviously every character th- there's not a counter. Every character can't counter every other character, right? So, when your team is choosing its composition, you have to decide what features essentially you want you want and can do without and but the thing about overwatch is that that's a all those twenty two characters or twenty two uh let's call them loadouts or move sets are available at any given time to anybody who plays the game, and that needs to be that would need to be the same case with destiny in a competitive atmosphere if if you want to have the the artifacts, if you want to have uh, the the special weapons, then they all need to be available, and then the players need to be able to choose from their loadouts because even that that would add depth to um, the actual competitive mode. That, to, to, not to the mode, but to to the actual competitive game because there's like okay, well. Um, you know, it's five on five. This guy chose this, which complements this other loadout that this guy is choosing. And that's how they're going to work this together as a team. You know, does that make sense?
2: I, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't think that the type of game that Destiny is would allow for something like that.
0: Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like in, in reg- like in regular Destiny? No, absolutely not. Like, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you've heard me say it so many times that Destiny's made out of cheese, because a lot of the stuff in Destiny is cheese, you know. I mean, how many times have you know? Like, I just toss out a grenade and I hear a click. Like, huh? That stuck to somebody, you know? Because I followed them around a the corner, like you know, stuff like that happens. Oh uh, god, I hate when they
4: started on sticky grenades. Yeah,
0: you know, stuff like that happens in Destiny, and you get a little <laughs> mad about it. But then at the same time, when you do it to somebody else, it's kind of funny. You know, it's, it's, it's about having fun at that point.
2: I can feel Braden's skin, like, sh- <laughs> shedding off as we're talking about these sticky grenades. Yeah, I, I don't like sticky grenades. <laughs> I, I, I never understood why you would throw a grenade nowhere close to them, and all of a sudden you just see a whoop, and it just sticks on them, right? And it's just like, I'll accept a kill,
4: but I know I didn't throw it over there. Yeah, it's literally like you're tossing a magnet towards someone <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes you know like when it happens to you it's like oh that's so cheap but when you do it to somebody else it's it's a little funny but you got a little shame which is also a little funny
4: <laughs> yeah I feel like a dirty player whenever. I'm <laughs> like, like,
0: I, I, I have to go like take a shower after that <laughs> yeah I mean it, it, it really, it's really about perspective at that point you know because I know, the, especially in uh, in the beginning of Crucible, like year one, right? Uh, I mean, Jorge can probably tell you I was frustrated a lot mm-hmm. during certain matches. Mm-hmm. That's and how this
2: that's how this podcast was founded. The, that, the frustration.
0: Yes, it was. It was found. This podcast was actually founded on frustration. Yes, <laughs> but over time, it's like you kind of realize you got to look at it from a different perspective. Like regular Crucible, like it's it's not competitive. It's really built for fun. It's really built for people to you know kind of feel like they're powerful make you feel like kind of like, like almost like a badass, you know. Uh and it's actually the same principle that Call of Duty tries to use. You know, like, you know, you you're you're this badass soldier and that's supposed to kind of rub into the player itself. Uh but the way Destiny plays normally definitely doesn't work in a competitive setting. But that's that's not unusual. If you look at Counter Strike, a game that's you know built for uh it's it's kind of built for competition and uh it's really built to filter to filter out people at skill levels i like can counter strike a beginner is going to be nowhere near an intermediate player you know um and it takes a lot of time to move from level to level but even regular counter strike if you just pop into a server is different from competitive Counter Strike. Regular Unreal Tournament was different from competitive Unreal Tournament. Uh, regular Halo was different from competitive Halo in terms of, you know, all these things like di- different rule sets. They would turn different settings on and off. Uh, you can have these weapons, but you can't have those weapons. So if Destiny needs to make changes to be competitive, that would not be uh, unusual. It would be kind of in line with the way you know, competition works in games. You basically take the game, you distill it a bit so that the best will shine with those rules and that's what you use.
2: So do you guys think that that's something that would be able to happen eventually? Because we already know that with private matches, you're going to be able to select the game type, even put in game modes that weren't originally built for that. For example, a 6v6 elimination which, by the way, we will be doing sometime soon. I'm pretty excited um, about that. Oh like 6v6 elimination on Bastion with with vehicles? Oh my god.
3: Oh, gross. That sucks. <laughs> with vehicles?
2: No. Yes. No. <laughs> Interceptors Online. No. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. I can't wait. Um, that's gonna be fun.
4: Go ahead, Yeah, Yeah, I, I think that's more of a thing for Destiny 2. Like people thought private matches would be for destiny 2 only but we're getting those which is nice but we need those full custom matches to really take advantage of everything that the competitive scene needs mm-hmm. um, but there are things in place like right now where like you can't use exotic armor in competitive destiny like if you if you've never heard of it they're, they're sweats you know. You can't use your Twilight Garrison. You can't have your no backup plans on whatever you use. Um, exotic weapons they do allow, but like uh, there's other rules such as uh, only um, one of a subclass, so you can't have like three Striker Titans going in <laughs> to a match. You know things like that. Um, for the supers, whether it is, whether they decide to keep those in, which I think they should, because that's what makes Destiny like Destiny. I don't know. Um, but if they decide they don't want supers, um that would have to be something for like a, a custom games or just like everybody decides, hey, you can't use a super. Um I think we'll see more of that in Destiny too, more than Rise of Iron though, in my opinion. I think I think private matches are more for your friends having fun, um some light competitive pay, play. Um but yeah,
2: yeah. I, I definitely think, I, I, I called it a while ago where I, I believe that with Rise of Iron, this is uh before they even announced it, that they would have private matches, but they wouldn't have custom matches where you could design yeah. them. And, and, and I just didn't think that it was something that was going to be around until Destiny 2. And I believe that kind of like what they did with year one with us, That them putting in private matches now is a public beta for what they want to do in Destiny 2. They're refining everything, especially now with the engine team being able to properly render something and it not take 18 hours to finally put together um, the entire Cosmodrome render. Yeah, I, I, I honestly believe that because they are better optimizing that engine that they had, that was absolute garbage. We're going to be able to have not only places that look better, but feel better. Um, the new map on Venus. Now, obviously, I, I can't comment on it too much because I didn't play on it. But that new map on Venus looks like it gives you many different options and it has many different levels to encourage all different types of gunplay. And for me, that's always been one of the biggest problems in in... Destiny one and up through um year two, where a lot of the maps outside of I know uh Rusted Lands and I know some people hated the dungeons, there wasn't a a, a true map where you could play everything, every different type of gun type. It was either really, really focused on sniper lanes or really really focused on up close quarters. And as you as you mentioned earlier with sector, what is it, three eighteen on the Cosmodrome? 618, where, yeah. 618, I'm sorry. Where you were playing with the Universal Remote and Fusion Rifle. Yeah. Try so bringing that into a map such as um, Cathedral of Dusk. You're going to get a bullet oh, Yeah, it doesn't work. And, and I'm not saying that every single map absolutely needs to have it be a shotgun sniper map, but at least offer areas where you can move around, get to the other side without going into a sniper lane. That's why one of the most "quote unquote" balanced maps in, um, oh, what's the the tower one now? Even though we play all the time, Bannerfall. I like Bannerfall as a concept, but the fact that there's no way to get from one side to the other without running into a sniper lane, I think, takes away from the actual balance. You're, you're always going to be stuck on one side rather than moving around the map and using different types of weapons. And that that hurts the game, and and it gets to the point where you're just seeing four or five snipers lined outside on the the lower heavy tree just aiming down on one spot, and you just get, like, the second you pop out, headshot, you're dead. It's not encouraging different gun types, and that's one thing I want to see Bungie explore more in Destiny 2, and hopefully with Rise of Iron, um, where their maps are more friendly towards all different types of gun types. I think that's really important. And that more than nerfing another weapon is going to bring the game more balance and make it more fun to play. I agree. Yeah, one of the things I always hate is where they always nerf a weapon to oblivion rather than saying, okay, why is this weapon so strong? Well, all these different maps are sniper maps. Yeah. Why don't we, you know, introduce an object here That allows somebody to move around, not always running into a sniper lane, but if they do cross into that sniper lane, they're going to be punished. There should be consequences for going into an area completely unprepared. Uh, That's one thing I think Destiny needs to work on more, and uh, I I want to see them introduce some that element in Rise of Iron, and I hope that we do get that element. Um, But... Other than that, I kind of want to... I think we touched on a lot of different things that I don't want to drag this episode out too, too long. Um, What are you guys excited for with regards to Rise of Iron? We'll start off with Braden and go all the way down to Jarrett.
4: I mean, obviously, private matches is, like, right up there with the raid for me. Um, I really enjoyed doing Kingsfall blind for the first time last year. That was my first blind raid. Um... I didn't make it for Haldoglass or Crota. Uh, I had people carry me through that. Um, But yeah, uh, private match is definitely up there. I'm going to be able to finally 1v1 Daniel.
2: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Carry me, senpai. What about you, Kristen?
3: I'm just excited for new stuff, period. I don't really Mm -hmm. have a favorite one thing coming. I don't. I'm just looking forward to everything. New new gear, new looks, new new maps, new PvE. I've always been... When I first started playing the game, it was always PvE to me. I was that person trolling LFG for people who've never done the raid, trolling the Fireteam Facebook chat. I was looking in the tower. I was always running the raid 10, 15 times a week. It was always about the raid. And then... I don't know. I just I I've only been doing the crucible portion for maybe 7 or 8 months now and I haven't raided since April because I've been focusing on the crucible part um trying to get better at that cuz I already know I'm good at everything else but I just like more PvE content. Mhm. And how many
2: times have you gone flawless?
3: Uh 45 times.
2: See you guys. All you people who are scared of the crucible, jump in there. Just try it out. Keep trying. Keep getting better.
3: I went you, flawless year one, maybe thirteen times. So the rest of these flawless runs are from you yeah. two,
2: right? But I mean, you've gone. No, that's flawless. what I'm
3: saying. I, but you know, in year one, I feel like it was easier to go flawless.
4: It was. And it was a lot easier.
3: I just, man, I was carried. My first handful, and now it's just I primarily focus on PvP. That's all I ever do is PvP. I don't even pay attention to the nightfalls or, or I I haven't read like I said I I haven't read since the last time
4: I did a nightfall. I I, remember.
3: Yeah, I so yeah I have been practicing. I I I I you know I, I go through phases with my characters too, and I don't main just one character. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, for a couple months I'm like really badass with my Night Stalker and then all of a sudden I just fall off. And then yeah. I switch to my Striker Titan and I can wreck face with it. And then, you know, two months later I'm like, well, I can't even land a kill, so I switch to another character, different subclass. I have to change it up constantly, I can't keep running the same thing. So, yeah. uh, so back to Rise of Iron, I'm just excited for it, period.
2: And I hope everybody that, that's listening that d- doesn't misinterpret what I was saying with Chris and going flawless, or if she could do it, anybody can. What I'm just what I'm trying to say is, she came from a background where she was PVE, and there's a lot of people who are just like that, where they only focus on PVE, and they ignore the, the, the. And and there's a lot of people that just completely ignore the PvP side because they feel intimidated. But I honestly believe that if you focus and 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 kind of have fun with it at first, going with people. Try new things. You can definitely go to the lighthouse. You just got to put in the time. You got to you got to put in the effort. Kristen's a, a very very good example of that. She put in the time. She put in the effort, and now look at her. She's a master.
3: <laughs> I mean, you want to hear a little secret? And I I don't th- I have maybe told three or four people this, and like the, the like the really close people that I game with. But I'm I'm gonna let the whole world know right now. When Thorn was a big deal, and you had to go through that Thorn bounty. I mm-hmm. n- I'd never stepped foot in the Crucible. I was intimidated by it. I couldn't I get a same. kill. Nothing. I, and I, I wanted that thorn so bad that I had paid one of my close friends three months of Xbox Live time. He was 17 <laughs> to go on my account and get it done for me. But now wow. I, I, I spend, no lie, probably about 40, 50 hours a week in the Crucible every mm-hmm. week, like a full-time job. I could go and do that Thorn Bounty by myself 20 times a week if I wanted to, just just to give you an idea. It's, it's practice, and you're not going to get better until you get in there and in, until you play the game. Stop being intimidated by it. You're going to go in there, and you're going to die a thousand times over again, but you can only get better.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What about you, Jared? What most interests you about Rise of Iron?
0: Uh, I'm going to say private matches, not because it's some incredible feature, uh, but I'm curious to see how the community is going to react to it. And I think depending on how they react to private matches can kind of determine whether or not well, how successful Destiny as an esport will work. Because back in when I used to play uh, two, UT2K4, right? And actually, well, Counter-Track was the same thing, but it was a lot bigger. But um, with 2K4, we had a lot of fun. We used to have an IRC channel called 2K4PUG where we go in and, you know, you get 10 people, you pick two captains, kind of like basketball, and then mm-hmm. the, you put, the captains pick teams, you go into a server, and you play, you know? And anybody can come into the IRC channel and queue up for a game. And I'm curious to see, now that Destiny players have private matches, uh, will we see the community, you know, make some avenue for that, whether it be like a Discord server, kind of like there's a uh there there are a few overwatch discord servers that do that or you know um destiny uh, the destiny community pretty quickly put together lfg sites so can it be modified to do something like that with pickup games for people that want to play um, and you know you would play not just you know regular rules but competitive rules which is what made it special and it was a great way to get better at the game and i'm curious to see if that happens because i think that would be cool i'm very, I, I'm very uh, pro game community. Actually, if you ask me, no game developer should control their competitive scene. It only makes it worse. But that's a discussion for another day.
2: All right. And with that, we're going to bring this bad boy to a close. I, I definitely want to thank Braden for joining me. Kristen for joining me as always. Jared, you're always welcome on the show. This is your baby. I'm just taking it along for the ride. And, uh, <laughs> So, make sure that you guys are listening to all the other shows on the Mash buttons Buttons Network. We have Double Tap, our podcast dedicated to fighting games and the fighting game community, released bi weekly on Wednesdays. Wow Talk, our podcast dedicated to World of Warcraft, released bi weekly on Tuesdays. Watchpoint Radio, our podcast dedicated to Overwatch, available weekly on Wednesdays. Sit Rep Radio, our podcast dedicated to the Division, released weekly on Wednesdays. And Frontline Radio, our podcast dedicated to Battlefield and Battlefront once a month on the third week of the month. We're available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, and Pocket Cast. We also have an RSS feed, and the link is available on www.mashshowsbuttons.com. For any questions regarding scheduling, check www.mashshowsbuttons.com schedule for scheduling details. You can check us out on twitter.com slash mtbsite, facebook.com slash mash those buttons, youtube.com slash mash those buttons. Jarrett, where can people find you at?
0: Uh, I'm on Twitter at underscore ja underscore, so underscore j a a underscore.
4: Braden, where can people find you at? Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Braden LK. It's uh, B-R-A-Y D-E-N L-K.
2: And Kristen, where can people find you at?
3: Um, they can't. I'm not on Twitter. I don't know how to Ooh. use Twitter. Jeez, <laughs> um, scandalous. I'm on Xbox. Uh, Gamer uh, tag is Matt Prox. That's uh, 3Ds, space, Prox. M A D D D. Prox. Okay. All right.
2: Oh, my goodness. So please contact us with any questions to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com my prior events are not a memory it is momentum it advances leads and controls points and directs shapes and forms i may not enjoy what lies in front of me but as in any story the past needs resolution we are the authors the finishers of our fate what is in my past is my prologue what is in my future is my destiny on behalf of the entire in orbit team we thank you for listening to our show and as always We'll see you on the next mission. Later, guys.
1: Hey, all. It's David, one of your co-hosts for In Orbit. I am super disappointed I couldn't be there for the PvP recording because it's a huge PvP episode. And as many of you know, I'm a huge PvP buff. I have background in competitive Call of Duty and competitive video game play. And PVP is just kind of where I thrive and one thing I'm really big about. So missing this episode is a big disappointment for me. Because of this, one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to give a small segment for the show. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give my five top tips for improving in the Crucible, which I think you all can use and can help improve your game in ways that you might not have before if you weren't looking at these certain points. Number five, uh, I'm going to go from least important to most important in my mind. Number five is something I see people not doing that much, but is is huge and has been in all first-person shooter games, is use the radar. People kind of forget about the radar when they're playing. They like to focus on running, gunning, and getting to the kills as fast as they possibly can. But the radar is actually a huge part of the game. If you look at the best players play, if you look at any competitive player play, they'll be looking up at that radar at all times, and they're keeping a third eye on it. They like to use the radar to get advantage over your teammates. One way you can do this, or not your teammates, sorry, your enemies. One big way you can do this, and I do this all the time, is especially when you're coming through a doorway. If you see people coming at you on the radar, and you go around a corner, and you jump up, well, now that person thinks you're further out, they're going to run past. You use that radar to get the advantage on them. You use it as kind of A dummy. They run through thinking that they're going to be to you're going to be to their right, but you're above them. Take them out. You can use it to stay aware of what's going on around you as as well, and it helps call out to teammates. You can help track people in trials. Radar is huge because if you put people in strategic positions, you can keep eyes on the entire map. Especially with how radar works in Destiny, where it's active at all times, and there's no way to hide yourself from it. Keeping an eye on radar is huge, and if you Focus on the radar, your game can improve little bits at a time, maybe even a huge jump if you've never paid attention to radar at all. Number four thing on my list, know the maps. Map awareness is key, especially with private matches coming to Destiny, we'll be able to go into these maps and explore them more. As new maps come out, it's always good to go in, do some private matches in them, or just kind of run around in them. Learn the the turns, learn the camping spots, learn where you think people are going to be, learn the spawns spawning is huge in competitive play so if you're looking to get involved in the game battle and mlg play coming out with rise of iron knowing the spawns is going to be huge because you can force people into spawn traps you can make spawns rotate it all comes with map awareness map awareness is a big part of all competitive play you need to know where people are going to spawn you need to know where the spots people are going to come from where they're going to try and flank you from and every last little way to look across all the maps It's huge to know these type of things and to look at them because it it keeps you on your toes. It can make you a faster and better player. If you're a shotgunner and you know all the ways around the map, well, you're going to be able to keep it so that you're always in close quarters. You won't get caught in a sniper lane where you won't have an advantage running around with your shotgun. Same thing with snipers, though. You can make it so you're always staying at longer ranges. You never get caught in those close quarters if you're using long-range guns like a sniper or even a scout rifle. Knowing the maps is huge to keeping it to keeping that map to play how you want to play it. It's super important for competitive play, for regular play. And if you learn the maps well and keep up good map awareness, I guarantee you'll see improvements in your play. Going down number three on my list, practice. Practice is huge in any, anything you do in life, whether it's sports, video games, cooking, cleaning. The more you practice, the better you're going to get at something. Tied with practice, I put patience on it. It's all one point. Patience is huge when you're practicing. You're not going to get good in one day. You're not going to get good in a week. Sometimes it'll take months, maybe even years, if you're willing to commit the time to get as good as you want to be, but you will see improvements with practice. Doing something over and over will always make yourself better. You'll get faster with the gun. You'll get more accurate with the gun. You just need to keep doing it. If you want to learn to be a good sniper, do it. At first, you're going to suck. But honestly, the best way to get good with something like that is put it in your hands and use nothing else. If you want to get good with a primary, put it in your hand and use nothing else. Focus on playing with that. Even if you're going negative, it doesn't matter. It's a game. Have fun with it. Yeah, dying a bunch might not be that much fun, but in the end it'll pay off because you're putting that practice and that patience in so that you can get better at the game. When I first started playing Destiny, I wasn't a great sniper. Now I'm a pretty fantastic sniper, and it's all because I took the time To learn, be patient, and practice. It's all about practice when you want to get good at something. Number two tip, play the meta. The meta is huge in a game like Destiny. With all these random guns we can have, there's tons of options to play with. And I know sometimes you want to have fun and use the gun you think looks the coolest, sounds the coolest, you have the most fun with. But if you want to be good, you have to play the meta because other people are going to be playing the meta. And you don't want people having an advantage over you. Yeah, if you want to mess around a bit and run around with sword hilts, that's fine. Do it. Play with your friends. Have a great time. It's a game. Have fun. But if you want to get good, the meta is super important. During the Last Ward and Thorn meta, if you were running around at anything else, you were at a huge disadvantage. That's why nobody ran around with anything else, because that's what it took to be good, to be at the top of your game. That's why when you see all these games that have competitive MLG style formats, most of the pros are using one or two guns. And it's just because those guns are what's most effective for what they need them to do. There's no point if you're going to try and do good and try and get better and playing against yourself. You're harming yourself by not playing with the meta. Use it. Embrace the meta. It may get boring, but if you want to do good, that's what you're going to have to do. Especially as we see these competitive fields evolve for Destiny, it's going to be all about playing the meta. Put yourself at an advantage, not a disadvantage. My number one tip, and I'm sure the rest of the In-Orbit crew is going to touch on this a bunch during this PvP episode, communication. Communication is key. The only game game mode where you don't have teammates in Destiny is Rumble. And you don't have to communicate that much in that game mode. That's fine because you're by yourself. Every other game mode, you have a team. So communicate with your teammates. Three sets of eyes are better than one. Your teammate will see more on their radar than you see. Your teammate will know more of the maps at certain parts than you will. Your teammate has practiced just like you have. And your teammate may be playing the meta. So communication is key. Work with each other, not against each other. Being talkative and active with your teammates is huge to doing good in any competitive game. Any shooter, any sports game if you have teammates. It's all about communication. Keeping up that open line of communication, letting your teammates know where people are, where you died from, what guns the other team's using. If you've thrown grenades, if they've thrown grenades, if you're pulling a super, that's huge because teammates can react to the sounds of supers. If the other team pulls a super, call it out. When you kill someone with a super, call it out. It's always good to stay open with communication. Communication can improve a team tenfold. You can have a team of three superstars, but if they're not talking, three mediocre players will beat them just because they're out communicating the other team. If you get advantages, if you can create a 3v1 through communication, then you're winning the game for your team. If a teammate sees someone caught out in the open and they call that out instead of trying to challenge a one-on-one, now you're challenging a two-on-one or a three-on-one, you've got the advantage over the other team. Communicate, communicate, communicate. I've said it in past episodes. I'm saying it again for you all now. Communication is by far my biggest tip for getting better at this game. Play with your team. Communicate. You'll do good. I hope you guys uh, enjoy these tips, use these tips, and I hope they can help you improve a bit in the game. I hope you all are enjoying this episode and the episodes we put out in the past. Uh, we love putting the episodes out for you guys. So it's awesome that you listen. Thank you for that. If you want more tips or you want to play with me at all, um, you can contact me through Twitter. Twitter, I'm at DS underscore Bolt. Or you can tune into my Twitch stream. I can give tips there or I can hook up with you to play with. I'm always down to play with new people, to help new people. As long as I'm on Twitch, hit me up. It's twitch.tv slash DS Hope you all enjoy the show. And later days,
3: Guardians.